Good morning. Welcome to Live Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Hopefully you're having a wonderful weekend. Are you enjoying summer? It's back. It's here for a limited amount of time. It's kind of like pumpkin spice lattes, and then it's going to be gone again. So that's kind of what happens. And uh, so anyhow, um, we're starting a brand new series. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to, um, to uh, Exodus chapter 32. So it's the second book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 32. We're going to get there in just a minute. But uh, we're, we're doing this thing on empty promises. And a part of the series, we thought it'd be fun that we're going to do fortune cookies for every weekend service with a special message inside connecting to that message every week. So if you think that fortune cookies are bad, you don't have to get them, right? So if you think it's like some spiritual thing, I just think they're cookies. And if you say cookie to me, I want it, right? That's just the bottom line. We're not giving them to you beforehand because this is what we would hear the entire time, right? So, uh, and they did one batch, this company that did them for us, that were wrong. And so we've been eating them as a staff. And everybody goes, they're really good, man. They're really good. So there's wrappers everywhere. But anyhow, so at the end of the service day, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get a fortune cookie. And it's going to have kind of the, kind of a, a special message for each service uh, in this series. But I'm doing that because of this. Um, when anytime you go to a like a Chinese restaurant or whatever, you get a fortune cookie. You, you kind of it's kind of funny, and you kind of open it up and you read it and that kind of a deal. But then you wonder if it says something's going to happen in your life. Is that really going to happen? You ever had that thought like, well, maybe, maybe I don't know. I mean, I could meet some mysterious great person today. I mean, maybe I really could uh, could you know good fortune could be coming my way. I, I got one when I first got here. I was at China Kitchen, which is conveniently located on the Life Church parking lot. And I was having lunch there one day, and I, uh, I got this fortune, and it said, you're headed for a land of sunshine. And I said, yes, Lord, I received that. It was like <laughs> January. Uh, there was, I had already seen more snow in the first two months I had been here than I'd seen in the entire accumulation of my entire life. And I was just like, maybe this is the Lord. It's in my office to this day. And so, because it's one of those things, maybe it can happen. What happens in life, though, that was kind of funny, but what happens is, is that, and that's what this series is all about, is that in the world in which we live in, there are all kinds of claims or promises that are made. And none of us are stupid. Amen? Okay, a couple people over here agree with me. These people are not so smart. That's kind of what I'm catching. There may be a few stupid people, but anyhow, mo most of us aren't stupid. Let's say it that way, okay? And, and you're intelligent people. You've got a brain. You understand. And so, but there are times where you think, well, maybe, hey, maybe that late-night infomercial on weight loss would work, or maybe that really could grow hair, or maybe that really would, would change my life. Or you, or you see a commercial, and you think, maybe driving that car, I really could be that person. Maybe it really could be like that. Maybe if I lived in, in that house, or I lived in that, or I, I wore that kind of clothes, or, or I, I was, you know, maybe it, it's always, it's this promise that everything's going to be good, it's going to be great, it's going to be, and what we find out most of the time is that it's empty. Um, you get the job, you get the promotion, but, but great, but there's an emptiness. You get the car, but it's like anything else. It gets dirty. Wintertime comes, and there's salt on the inside and the outside. Um, the, 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 the weight loss, <laughs> trust me, I've tried this, doesn't work quite the way it says it's going to. You, you can't just, you know, eat your way through 10 pounds of bacon and really lose weight on a consistent basis trying to do low-carbohydrates. 
modified sugar. Anyhow, there's a whole other story I have on that one. I did, uh, what is that, sugar-free candy that has that low dietary stuff? Oh, dear God, I almost went to the hospital on that stuff. So I'm just saying, but we think this stuff, and then we get it, and then it winds up being empty. It's kind of like a fortune cookie. It, if you get it, and you read it, and you actually think that you're fixing to get whatever, or whatever's about to happen to you in this great way, you're going to get this landfall, you're going to get this, you're going to do that, it's just empty. And, but we do this in life, even though we know sometimes that these empty false promises in our world that we chase after, we buy into, we find that they're only empty dead ends. You know, Bob Dylan, the great theologian, was right when he said, you're going to serve somebody. We're all bowing down to something. We're all following something. We are all worshiping something. All of us. So I want to talk about what that is. In the Bible, it talks about it. It's called idols or idolatry. Not adultery, that's sex outside of marriage. Idolatry is the worshiping of idols. And this is something that's not really, um, how would you say, not really common as far as a conversation that we have in, in America. Uh, because we, we don't really deal with a multi-theistic point of view. Most of us are very monotheistic. We believe in one God. And we only know of one God. And we know that there are Eastern religions that believe in many gods and they're multi-theistic. And there are, you know, there are ancient religions that, that, that portray some of this. But, but for the most part, as Americans, when you say God, as far as deity, we think of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We think of the God of, of Israel. We think of the God of the Bible. That's because that's the world in which we live in. But if we were to go to various parts of, of Asia, we would find different cultures of people that believe in all types of gods and many gods. If you read back into Roman civilization, multiple gods, the context of today's passage is set in a time uh, in, in where Egypt and the nation of Israel, has, they've left this bondage and slavery of Egypt where there was many gods, multi-theistic, multi-deistic society and serving, but they were serving one God, a monotheistic God, the God of the Bible. And, and, and God basically makes some statements about, hey, you know, commandment number one, you'll have no other gods before me. Because Israel was unique in the fact that in the context of all the other people that are around them, when you read in the Old Testament, the Jebusites and the Amakites and the parasites and the termites and all the ites that are there, when you read in the context, they all have multiple gods. But what was interesting about Israel is that they had one God. And that one God said that I'll have no other gods, lowercase g, before me. Yet because of their background, they kind of hit this default setting, which is not too much different than us, because we're all looking for, well, we're going to see. Just check this out. Exodus chapter 32 we're going to read the first six verses. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But if you do, starting in verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, so he's been with God, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron, God's man of faith and power, and said to him, Up, make, make, uh, make us gods who shall go before us. As for Moses, the man who brought us out of this land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. So Aaron, he's the high priest, said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. Verse 3. And so all the people took off their rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their land, or excuse me, from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, lowercase g, O Israel. 
who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 5, And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be the feast to the Lord, referring to this golden calf. And they rose up early the next day, and they offered burnt offerings, and they offered, uh, brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So, I mean, check this out. This is what's interesting to me. Moses, God's man of faith and power, these people, this has been a very short amount of time, have left the nation, or the, uh, the nation of, of Egypt as slaves, and now they're free people. God has done all kinds of miracles to this point in their midst. God has fed them every day, three million Jews. He's clothed them. He's taken care of them. The Bible says for the 40 years that they walked in the wilderness that their clothes did not wear out. And we talk about a fashion style that doesn't change. I mean, God just took care of everything. And, and, and so they had this miraculous provision and exodus from Egypt to on their way to the promised land. God provides for them through miraculous signs and wonders. And so Moses is on the mountaintop hearing from God. And as he's there hearing from God, he doesn't come back fast enough. See, expediency, uh, the, the, the hasty need to have something my way right, right away now is not a, a new thing. It's, it's a human condition. Before fast food, we, we, we want things when we want things. We want things on our timetable. And so they're basically saying, look, Aaron, you're Moses' brother. You're number two in command. You are the voice. Basically, Moses asked God to allow Aaron to be the voice to, to the nation of Israel. So he would be the spokesperson. You are the one that is giving us all the information that Moses is getting from God. Moses isn't coming down. Moses must be dead. There's no even thought of, let's go find Moses. Let's see what's going on. It's their, their default is, let's make ourselves some lowercase gods. Let's make ourselves some idols. Why? Because that's all they had been raised around. That's all that they knew. They knew from their heritage that there was one God, that God spoke to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they were all part of, 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 of that lineage. They understood what they believed. But what happens is sometimes we have the Bible. We do this in our, in our culture. We have the Bible, and it says one thing, but our experience, our tradition lives something completely else out. So we come to church, we begin to read the Bible, we begin to change our ways, but if we're not careful, all of a sudden, the old traditions and the old ways of doing things, we go back to. And we negate what we know to be as God's Word. Because this over here is more comfortable because it's tradition. It's the way, it, it's, and, and even sometimes being in church, it's, it's, well, this is the way we always did it in church. But it's wrong because it's not in the Scripture. Well, that's just the way I was taught. Well, but were you taught from some man-made teaching, or was this God's Word? And that's the reason why I always say, bring a Bible, take notes, and verify what I'm saying to you. Don't just take it, spoon-feed it, and have it. You're intelligent people, and you're smart people, and so I want to speak to you and communicate with you. At the, I'm not any better than you are. We're, we're, and so the, the deal is, is, is I want to communicate with you at a level that you can take the information and process it and kind of push back and say, this is either God's Word or it's not. Because the reality is, is we all kind of go back to that default setting. And their default setting was a multi-theistic, mini-God culture. So if you need a God for this, or a God for that, or a God for this, or a God for that, that's what you have. Where God said, no, I want to be one God. I want to be your God. This will be a, a struggle that Israel has their entire existence, we see in the Old Testament. So having gods, lowercase g, is idolatry. What is an idol? Well, if you go back to the original language, there's, there's four different words or phrases that are used to define an idol. It's shape, so it's a, there's a physical shape or dimension to it. It's a god or a deity. It, it has supernatural power. 
that's placed upon it. It's always man-made, which is interesting to me. So it has a beginning, therefore it has an ending. Do you understand that's, that's the difference between Jehovah God, the God of the Bible? He has no beginning, therefore he has no ending. Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. What's the deep? It's the expanse of everything that's in this universe and beyond when there was nothing here, God was. And when we don't blow your circuits, when, it's, when we believe that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ, but when eternity ends, although it doesn't end, God still exists. Every other idol, it's man-made, which means it has a beginning, therefore it has an ending. And it's always something that is worshipped. Now, we don't, we don't think of that word worship, especially outside of context of church, very much in, our, in the culture in which we live in. I don't worship anything, but yet we really do. Um, if you went to New Orleans this week to the Superdome, uh, U2's in concert, amazing concert, awesome, packed out, awesome show, light show, the whole deal, da 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 You have tens of thousands of fans, and they are worshiping. I'm not hating on Bono, so don't send me an email, but they're worshiping in that experience, that whole ethos, that whole environment, that whole atmosphere of worship. It's Worship. Worship is to attribute value to something. It's to, it's to praise something. It's to, it's to adore something. It is to give yourself completely to something. So here's a great working definition for idol. Idol is an image of power that you have exalted in your life. An idol is an image of power that you have exalted in your own life. So you exalt this image of power, whatever that may be. It could be your job, it could be your career, it could be your academics, and it, it could be your money, it could be, uh, it could be your bass boat, it could be your car, uh, it could be your clothing, it could be your status, it could be your name, it could be your favorite sports team. Anything that's an image of power in your life that you've exalted in your own life has the potential and is what would be called an idol. What do we expect from idols? What's no different in the Old Testament, New Testament to today? We expect two things, empowerment and authority. We expect two things, empowerment and authority. What do I want to get from this? I want to feel empowered. When I get into that car, isn't that what the commercial sells us? I'm going to have this level of power. The way the engine sounds, the way I drive it, how I feel, how it corners, how it turns, there's an empowerment behind it. When I pull up at the stoplight, everybody in the, in, around that four-way knows that I paid a certain dollar amount for this vehicle. I'm at a certain level. I pull into a certain neighborhood. I don't live over there. I don't live over there. I live right there because that's my neighborhood, and this is my house. And there's a certain sense of pride and, and power and authority that comes with that because all of a sudden I'm at this level. I've got this job. I've got this title. And so now I'm not a lower level director or a middle manager. I'm actually in the C-suite. You need to make sure you get that right. I just got my degree and, and I have this. And, and all of a sudden I'm not just a, an undergraduate. I've got a postgraduate degree. I've got an MBA from make sure you get the school right. Make sure you understand that I graduated summa cum laude. Make sure that you get the degrees right and make sure you get the, the initials behind my name and in front of my name correct. It's power. It's authority. It's, it's what I do. And I can hear some good old redneck saying, well, bless God, that's not me. I don't have any of that stuff. No, your power of authority is sometimes you have arrogance in your own ignorance. 
and the fact that I don't have this, therefore I'm okay. But that's where your power and your authority comes from because you don't want to ascend to something, therefore you want to sit in mediocrity. And so you want to play that because it's easier to shoot at everybody else than it is for you to ascend to something. And so in your own way, you take a certain amount of pride. I have a GMC four-wheel drive, so I'm not hating on you. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying to you, you take a certain pride in that four-wheel drive and the way that sounds, and bless God, you know, God bless America, or America, and, and that's what you do, right? And it's about the boat, and it's about what you do, and it's about this and about that. This is a human condition. I'm not shooting at any person. I'm shooting at all of us, myself included. And there's a certain amount of authority, and it's, under, it's interesting to understand this. Why do we expect empowerment and authority? Because we as human beings, as the creation, are created with a need to operate in authority and under authority. This is how we're hardwired. So before sin enters the world, God gives Adam and Eve a job, and that is to have dominion over the face of the planet. You will rule and reign over the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air and, 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 and over, over the, the, the creatures of the sea. You will rule and reign over this planet. That's the reason why we, there's something about us. We, we want to own our own place. We want to have our own peace. Well, we, 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 wanna, we, wanna, we want to have a certain amount of what's ours. It's mine. Again, if you don't believe this, go to the toddler nursery right now in early childhood, and you will hear toddlers going, mine, mine, mine. And it's not because our parents walk around and say that. It's because it's a natural, instinctive way in which we're hardwired. We want to be people of authority. That's mine. I own that. That's mine. And I identify sometimes my identity with that thing, even though it's an inanimate object. I do that. And if I'm not careful, I will raise or exalt that object or that thing and give it power in my life because I believe that that will give me empowerment and authority. And so that's what we do. That's the reason why God comes in and, 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 and basically says, look, I'm the only one that can meet this need in your life. It's, 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 it's commandment number one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. I'm the Lord your God, and I'll have no other gods, lowercase g, before me. Why? Because God understands, because he created us as the creator, that he is given us, we're made in his image and in his likeness. So we're to be people of authority, because God's given us that authority, but we're also to be people under authority, which is to him. And if we'll work, walk in that, in that balance, which is not static, it, you don't arrive and just stay there. It's very kinetic, it's constantly moving. Balance is not, a, is not an arrival point, like a destination. Balance is a constant movement in your life and various seasons. But if you will keep the tension of being a person of authority and then being under authority, you will be empowered and you will walk in authority. And the only way that that's not empty is when it's found in Jesus, when it's found in God. You may go, well, that's so convenient for you to say that. But it's if God truly is the maker of heavens and earth and all that there is, and he is the creator and we're his creation, then that's the right way for us, the creator, the, excuse me, the creation, not only to live in right relationship with God, but it's the way to live at the maximum peak potential and, and, and proficiency and efficiency as human beings. See, God's not trying to be some cosmic killjoy. He's not trying to, to hold you back. He's not trying to take all the fun away. What he's trying to do is get you to live a life to the full, John 10, 10 says. And I know sometimes we think, hey, man, I got this. I don't need this sermon. I, you know, I, don't, I know what I'm doing. It's no big deal. I think you're over-dramatizing dra it. 
Proverbs chapter 14, one of my favorite verses, verse 12 says, there, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Beware of rationalizing your thoughts and your actions. We're masters at this. Again, you're not stupid. You're highly intelligent. Because if you and I don't realize that we're predisposed to a bias of sin and of self that we didn't ask for, but we were born into, it is so easy for me to rationalize this or that. It's so easy for me to go, that's not really an idol. No, everybody, everybody does that. You know, that's okay. So how does this empty promise thing work when I, in idolatry? It works the same way in the book of Exodus as it does in our lives. Let's check this out. First of all, idols fill the place of God. Idols fill the place of God. Verse 1, they said, look, Moses is with God. Moses, is, we haven't seen him in a while. We don't know. So he's, maybe we assume he's dead. Therefore, God is dead. So let's create some idols. It's easy to think sometimes that when God doesn't answer your prayer the way you think he should, when you think he should, and how he thinks he should, that he's dead and he doesn't work. Man, I've tried that church thing, but it just doesn't work. Man, I've tried that Jesus thing, it just doesn't work for me. No, what you did was you want God to be some cosmic Santa Claus, like an ATM that you can have a keypad, and you just kind of punch your code in and get what you want. It doesn't work that way. And so what happens is, is then we go, well, you know what? I'm not getting the empowerment and the authority that I feel like I need. I deserve whatever we rationalize in our own minds. Therefore, I'm going to create this thing. I'm going to exalt this thing, this inanimate object. I'm going to exalt this career, this job, this title, this status, uh, my, this sports team, this whatever. Ever how I identify myself, I'm going to exalt it to a place to give me power and authority in my life. Secondly, idols always give identity. That's why we go to them. Idols give identity. The second part of verse 1, he says, let us make this image, let us make this idol so that we can worship him, so that we can, he can lead us. Moses has led us, so now we need something that will continue to lead us. It's interesting. Again, we all need to be led. Even the people that think they're natural-born leaders, and you may be, we need to be led. It's an interesting conversation that I have with leaders sometimes, especially people that aren't followers of Christ. If I get into a conversation, they find out I'm a pastor, I ask this question of high-capacity leaders. You don't believe that there is a God. Therefore, you believe that you're in full control of your life, not in all the circumstances in the world, but in your world. And at the end of the day, how do you, how do you resolve or rectify the indifferences the incongruencies, and the things that you don't know. Do you actually have enough arrogance and hubris that you just discount them? Or do you, what do you do with that? You see, for me, I'm a triple A personality. I mean, I, I mean, I'm type A, type A, type A. Like, I'm a control freak. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much like I had to pray, like, oh, God, yeah, I probably have placed too much emphasis on this, and Lord, forgive me. I mean, even as I'm walking through this sermon, I'm just going like this, and I've read that passage a gazillion times, but even as I'm walking through that, I'm just going, Lord, I, I you know, because we all have this ability to be this way. God, I got this. It's not that I'm trying to exalt something above God, but I got this. God, you handle this over here, not handle that. Like, God's limited. <laughs> like, I can really help him out. 
right? It's kind of like your three-year-old can help you really build the house. It's not going to happen. They just think that they are, but you can let them think that, so it kind of, what, right? It's like your 16-year-old that thinks they know everything, yeah? They don't, but they think they do, right? And the reality is, is, is that I'm walking through this, and, and, I, and I, so I like to control, I like to do all this, but at the end of the day, I understand that I'm limited. I understand that I'm born into sin. I understand that I have certain biases. I understand there are certain things going on, and therefore, in my own life, I have to walk through and rectify and deal with that. And the inconsistencies and the incongruences and the weakness and the failures and all of those things that sometimes don't make complete sense to me, I'm able to, I love with the song, we sing it here, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" just to take him at his word. It's not that I'm checking my brains out. It's just I understand something. I'm limited. I'm finite. I don't have all of the answers. Therefore, God, I just submit it to you. I don't get why this is happening. I don't get why this isn't working. I don't understand, but I know that your Bible's not some formula. It's not one plus one equals two type of a formula. It's just you're dealing with people. You're dealing with lives. We're dealing with things that are completely beyond us, but you know, and therefore I trust in you. That's why to have him, number one, and him first, first place is so important. Idols give us identity. Idols are man-made. We see verses 2, 3, and 4 that they basically fashion together this golden calf from things that they've made. Idols don't appear in your life. You make them. Idols don't just emerge in your life. You create them. You give an unhealthy, ungodly amount of emphasis on this particular status or this particular lifestyle or this particular activity, and you elevate it, and you push everything else out, and you elevate it in such a way that it, it, it basically has supremacy over everything in your life, including your relationship with Christ. You can excuse it any way you want to, but the reality is it's idolatry. Whether it's a car, whether it's a bass boat, whether it's a lifestyle, whether it's a name brand, whether it's a location, whether, whether it's, it's an activity that in and of itself is completely fine, but you have so personified it and so magnified it in such a way that it's a God. Again, I love sports. I love watching sports. I think it's going to be a great game today. When the Packers just put the whoop and the hurt on the Falcons, the Dirty Birds, in their own house as they open it up. Amen? But how many times do people elevate a sports team? They're more devoted to a sports team. Can't read their Bible, you can't pray, but bless God, I'm going to watch that game. If you've been guilty of saying, I just haven't had time to pray and read the Bible this week, why don't you take tonight about 7.30 and just make 7.30 to about 10.30 your time to pray? Well, it's because you've elevated it to a place of power and authority in your life above God. My God, Margaret, he's all up in my kitchen. I mean, he's talking about the Packers. Bless God. Isn't that like, you have the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and then, you, then you've got the Packers, right? Just right below that. Isn't that where that falls? What I'm trying to say is there's nothing wrong with watching the game. And there's nothing wrong with, with being a fanatic about your team. But there's something wrong when that usurps everything else in your world, including your relationship with Christ. Hope you don't get mad. Hope you don't leave the church. But I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you what it says. These are man-made things that we exalt, that we elevate. And lastly, idols demand worship. 
every single time they demand worship. Verse 5 and 6, it tells us how that they're worshiped. First, they're worshiped through time. So Aaron, the high priest, says, hey, let's build an altar. It's going to take some time. Let's, let's, let's build this thing. Let's construct this thing. Let's build an altar. If you're going to worship something, it's going to take time. You're going to give time. You're going to give time. You're, you're, you're shining up that car. You're, 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 you're a slave to your job. You're, you're pursuing this at all costs. Uh, uh, you are, everything else takes a back seat to, to this or to that or to whatever it may be. Whatever that is, that idol is, it just takes time. Time. And that's what's interesting to me. We all have the same amount of time. Everybody has the same amount of time in their day. And you choose what you're going to do with your time. If you want to read the Bible and you want to pray, you will find time to do that. Because you find time to eat. You find time to work. Well, I got to work. Well, I understand that. But you're not working 24 hours a day. You find time for Sports Center. You find time to be online. Lord, help us all. If we were as faithful to Jesus as we are to Facebook, we would really have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. Amen? And again, nothing wrong with Facebook, nothing wrong with Sports Center, nothing wrong with being online. But there's something wrong when those things begin to rob the very basic things that we're trying to do. But that's what idols do. They eat our time up. Secondly, talk. They demand talk. The Bible says that Aaron made a proclamation about it. Idols are things you talk about. You talk about it. You talk about it when you have discretionary time at a break or, or at lunch or, or in the evening or what, throughout your day. You, you're, you're, you're posting about it. You're talking about it. You're, you're spending time on social media about it. You're talking to your friends about it. This is what you talk about. Blah, 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 blah. It's your idol. And we can idolize people. We can have people that in our life that, that we idolize. And, and if you're single and you're dating, if you're not careful, you can turn that person that you're dating into an idol. That's all you talk about. That's all that you spend time on. That's all you spend time writing to and thinking about and adoring. You're worshiping that. It can be, it can be any kind of a, but it can be a sport. It can be a hobby. It can be, because that's, that that's your passion. It's all I talk about. It's all I talk about. It's all I talk about. And idols demand worship in the form of resources resources. The, the Bible says, this is so crazy to me, they take the gold and they, they form this calf, this golden image, build an altar to it, and then they give money, offerings, peace offerings, and burnt offerings to it. It's dead, man. They, they made it. They created it, but yet they give and 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 they give. There are people, you will spend money, you'll spend money on that on that hunting hobby that you have to go chase Bambi in the fall, you'll go spend money on that, but you won't give money to missions. You got money to go buy this or go buy that, but you won't spend money helping somebody else. You, you'll spend money on this and that. You'll take care of yourself. You'll take care of whatever. You're going to make sure your finances are, are taken care of or this is taken care of or the business is taken care of, but you won't sacrifice for anything that the Lord speaks to your heart to do. Because idols demand that you spend time, they demand that you talk about them, they demand that you give resources. Anything in my life besides Christ that's an image of power that I've exalted, it's an idol. And the simple thing is, why are you talking about this, Aaron? 
because it's an empty promise. That suit of clothes is never going to make you the man that you want to be. That shopping spree is never going to make you the woman that you want to be. That job is never going to make you the business person that you are desiring to be. That, no disrespect, but if the Packers win or lose, unless you're putting money on the game, doesn't affect you and I at all. It's a game. And I like to win. Don't misunderstand me. And there's nothing wrong with going to the game and enjoying yourself and having a good time. I'm not saying anything about that. But what I'm trying to say is, is and what I am saying is, is that those things, if we elevate them beyond a level that they should be elevated to in our lives or should be in our lives, we begin to idolize them and we expect something of power and authority out of them that we'll never get. We'll never get it. It's an empty promise. And we wonder why I'm depressed and why I'm down and why I don't have joy. Because you're pursuing happiness, which is a euphoric feeling and emotion that's here today and gone tomorrow. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit that's cultivated and developed and planted and grows in your life, if you will develop it. And why I'm talking to you about this is not so that you quit your sports teams or that you quit your hobbies or your activities or that we all go live like paupers. No. What I'm saying this is make sure that there is nothing in your life that's supreme above your relationship with the Lord and above your family. To make sure that you keep right relationship with these things. Because it's so easy for me to create idols in my life. It's so easy for Aaron Cole to idolize things that may even seem good. There's a way that seems right to me, but the end thereof is death. I can spend all of my time and I can idolize my work and ministry and focus on my communication as a public speaker and building the local church and growing the business and the organization of the church and never spend time with Jesus. And you know what I've done? I've made the church my mistress, and I've made church my idolatry. You understand that? This isn't about the object. This is about the value that I place on it. And then I wonder at the end of the day, well, well I gave my life to the church. I've heard pastors say this. I did all this for the church, and, and those people just, it's an empty promise. It's because you idolized it. Instead of keeping your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of your faith, you put your eyes on people. Instead of building the church of Jesus Christ, not building your own kingdom, Aaron, it's an empty promise. It's the same thing in your company. It's the same thing in your life. It's the same thing in your job, and your career. It's the same thing with anything that you buy or that you purchase. Nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things have you. It's an empty promise. That's the reason why God said, let there be no other gods before you, before me, except for me. I'm the Lord your God, and I'll have no other gods before you. Because at the end of the day, the only fulfillment that you're going to have and the only promise that's really going to be kept is what God's going to give to you, which is his word. And he will perform that in your life. What idols have you created in your life? Because every time we see idols in the Bible, do you know how they're dealt with? Utter destruction. It's not like the golden calf was marginalized and God said, well, look, it's an inanimate object, whatever. I don't really care. No, destroy it. It was consumed. God was going to kill the whole nation of Israel over it. 
If you got an idol, destroy it. If your identity's in that car, sell it. If it's in that house, sell it. If it's in that sports team, quit watching it. If that's your idol, if that's your thing, if it's in that bass boat, give it away to somebody. You want to hurt yourself? <laughs> Just give it away. If it's in that credit card, if it's in that status, if it's in that name, if it's whatever it is, I don't know what it is. It's different for all of us, but I'm saying this is a thing that robs us of the joy that God wants us to have. It's a thing that robs us of the relationship that we want with Jesus. It's a thing that it's a thing that separates and keeps us from God. And it's not that these things are all bad or wrong. We've just elevated them to a place of power and authority in our life that they don't have a place to be. That is idolatry.